People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Paige Wilson is CEO and founder of a growing company called Neighbor Force. Neighbor Force is disrupting the traditional caregiving paradigm, tackling social isolation and aging in place at scale. Utilizing a tech-enabled platform, Neighbor Force connects older adults to a network of neighbors for social engagement and on-demand support with errands, transportation, and help around the home. Her company and culture is inspired by joy to promote engaged, productive, and connected aging and living. Welcome, Paige, to Health Gig. Excited to be here. Yes, thanks for being here. We just can't wait to hear all about what you're up to. Yeah, so tell us your story. Tell us a little bit about you. And um, I read that you started out in investment banking, and then you pivoted to this amazing concept of neighbor force. So tell us about you. Sure. Um, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, born and raised in Richmond. And like you mentioned, I spent most of my career in large corporate finance. I worked for a lot of large employers doing finance and ended up in investment banking. Sometimes I say I sold my soul to investment banking. But right about that same time, my mom broke her hip. This is about 10 years ago. I was the alpha daughter. I lived five minutes from my mom. We were really, really close. But I had this very demanding career. I was widowed young. So I had a teenage daughter I was raising on my own. And what I quickly found was there were all these little things she needed help with. You know, it could be getting her to the beauty parlor, you know, helping her get the fitted sheet on the bed or, you know, the one that always got me was reprogramming that darn remote. You know, she wanted me to drop everything to come over and help her. And I did want to help her with everything, but I couldn't be there all the time. And so I hated it. I felt like she was losing access to the things that kind of brought her joy. She was larger than life. She lived a big life. Um, she was kind of like Lucille Ball. She was crazy. Oh. Um, and so I, yeah, she was redhead underneath it all. Um, but she, <laughs> I've got some of that too, but she, um, you know, what I found was I needed backup. And so I started looking and there were a lot of resources once she needed say an aide or a nurse on a regular basis. She did not need that. And by the way, she did not want that. She did not want an aid. She wasn't at that point where she felt like she needed it. And so, you know, home care agencies, they weren't the solution. Maybe somewhere like a care.com, that sounded like, gosh, this is a marketplace for caregivers. Well, again, that's what they are. They're caregivers. And if I go onto care.com and say what I need help with, it's going to give me 15 different people. They all have different levels of background screening. They all have different rates. And then you negotiate with them. You know, most of them have minimums and want you to sign a contract. I literally wanted to push a button and a trusted person shows up. You know, these are little teeny things, you know, and it was very clear there was a huge void, either fully independent or you can call on your family, friends or neighbors to help you. And then there's kind of nothing until you need home care. And so anyway, we got through it. It, it was a tough, a tough couple of years. She was actually on hospice for two years, did need aides and nurses. And they were great, but they still didn't fill all of the needs that she had for continuing to live this joyous life, we call it. But um, so after she died, it had taken so much out of me that I moved cities. I thought, you know what? I've lived in Richmond, Virginia my whole life. This was really, it really took a lot out of me. So I moved cities and changed jobs, but it kept nagging at me. 
And I started seeing my friends go through it and started doing some research. And, you know, we can talk about that, but ultimately that's what led me to Neighbor Force. Mm. And what exactly is Neighbor Force? Yeah. So Neighbor Force, as I started doing all this research, I had no idea about what they call the age wave or some call it the silver tsunami, but 11,000 baby boomers turning 65 every single day for the next 10 years. And I'm one of them. I'm the tail end of it. And so today there are 40 million caregivers, just like me, faced with aging parents who need varying levels of help. A lot of people are kind of focused on that age wave. And there are a lot of good things about it because boomers are going to rule the world, by the way. In another 10 years, there are going to be more people over 65 than children for the first time ever in U.S. history. But what a lot of people haven't focused on, and this is what I was feeling, was that, yes, we've got this wave of people aging. And in the next 30 years, the number of people over 80 are going to triple. And those are the people who start to kind of need the help for the most part. But family's always been that first line of support, right? Families are getting smaller. So the number of family caregivers today for every person over 80 is seven. By 2050, they're only going to be three. So literally, you know, who's going to be there for them, I say. And for me, by the way, I have one daughter. So the baby boomers had smaller families, which is driving that. Plus we're, we've moved away from home. You know, we're starting our careers later, having our kids later, all of those things. It's just the perfect storm of this caregiving issue. And so armed with all of that, trying to figure out, gosh, what are we going to do? While I was in Washington, D.C., I was talking to a friend of mine in Richmond. She used to be a lawyer. She dropped out of her career at some point to finish raising her boys. They had gone off to college and she told me she was driving Uber. And I said, what in the world are you doing driving Uber? And she said, you know what, Paige? I don't want to go back to my career. That ship has sailed. It was great. I don't really want a part-time job because I've gotten to the point in my life. I love the flexibility I've earned. And maybe it's a little bit beneath me, depending on what it is. You know, I don't want to be tied down to a schedule, but I am craving connection and some purpose in my life. You know, I've raised kids my whole life and now they're gone. They don't need me. And that was literally when the light bulb went off for me. I said, wait a minute. We have all these older adults and family caregivers who need a backup person. I bet you we could tap into the community of people who have those needs and skills on their own side to step in and kind of be that backup son and daughter. So that was the birth of neighbor force. And that's what we do. Um, you know, ultimately I quit my job and and really tested this out. Um, but we we match older adults who need little bits of help an hour or two at a time with people in the community, a little bit like Uber, but we say we're way less scary than Uber and way more friendly, but um, people in the community who would love to step in an hour or two at a time. And we say bring joy to seniors. And so they're not healthcare workers at all. We don't do anything in the healthcare realm. We're not regulated by healthcare. So we're not even bathing, feeding, toileting. We're doing the fun, you know, we call it the positive side of aging, joyous sides. So it's all those things I did for my mom and getting people out to lunch, you know, lots of companionship, like laundry, getting to the doctors, helping them in the garden, you name it. It runs uh -huh. the gamut. And now you're in how many cities? We're growing quickly, but we're a startup. So we started in Richmond and really wanted to prove the model. Right. Because from the start, I think nobody questions the demand for this. No. Clearly. 
No, and you know, you're so right. And it's so awesome that you're doing this because you're absolutely right. It's two, two people that both need yeah, something, you know, they do. and they and abs- perfect. And, and it's, as Dora and I were saying, we'll do it because we want to yes, sign up awesome. for sure. We're in, but it just would give us so much joy. And as you said, it gives them so much joy and it just gets us all, as you said, connected. And, 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 and Dora and I have been doing tons of studies on loneliness tons yes. of study on loneliness. And we see what it does to people from a health perspective. And in fact, we say that this is a big aha moment in the wellness world where we're working because loneliness is an epidemic. Oh, so sure. we all need to kind of lock elbows and do something about it. So thank you for this. Yeah. yeah so well, tell us where you yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. So right now we're in Richmond, Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, and we just launched in Williamsburg. Okay. We are in the Triangle in North Carolina, so Raleigh-Durham, Chapel Hill, and we just launched in Bethesda. Um, so we're covering kind of Bethesda, Potomac, Northwest DC, Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we open in a new market, we have somebody in market that's called the Neighborhood Lead. And they are first and foremost, the culture carrier in that community, because this is a trust issue. You know, you're your parents are very precious that you're letting someone step in and take care of them. So that's the number one role of our neighborhood lead. And then they help us with, we call it boots on the ground marketing, but you know, making connections. They're also doing the last mile vetting of neighbors. We have a whole process, which we could talk about separately, but one piece of it is we meet everyone in person and we want to look at them, you know, eye to eye and make sure that they are motivated by the right compassion to do this. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how we go to market. So we've got neighborhood leads in all of these markets where we operate. So do you choose the markets? Obviously, I think in this way, you've lived here. So you knew this market, you knew Richmond really well. You yeah. know, did you know Charlottesville? Is that you kind of have a connection to where you began? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah well, I went to Virginia school at UVA, but um, you know, so we have a process, obviously this is a huge, a great business that needs technology to drive yeah. it. You cannot do this manually. Um, so that means it really only works at scale because we're doing all these small transactions. So as we've been adding markets, we're still young enough that we're learning. And so we've deliberately looked at incomes, densities, volunteerism ratios, Good. because typically our, our neighbor is someone who might be inclined to volunteer. They're not really doing this for the money, but they make a little bit of money. We look at the age dependency ratios. So how many potential neighbors say that 45 to 65 year old are there relative to the over 80? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at all of those things. And we picked Richmond because we're here, mm-hmm. Charlottesville, because it was easiest, you know, in, an hour down the road. Right. Then we went to Raleigh, similar size to Richmond, similar layout, different state. Um, and now to uh, Maryland, again, a different state and north of the Mason-Dixon line, because I'm telling you, we had a few investors that we pitched early on that said, this is a Southern hospitality play. And I said, I'm calling BS on that. There are nice people all country. So we are proving that. Um, and it's a little more urban up there. Um, so we're, you know, learning all of these pieces as we go. So who, who are the, who, what kind of people are you finding? The neighbors are amazing. And, you know, part of our secret sauce is we treat them like gold. They are unbelievable. And by the way, on the client side, virtually 100% of our clients that have used us have come back. And why is that? 
it's the neighbors, right? Mm -hmm. And with the reason we say virtually is we might have 5% of clients that have only used us once, but every day a year passes and now they're back. Mm. They didn't need us again. They needed us once, you know, now they're fine. Now they need us again. So it's amazing. But the neighbors, so the average age is 54. Mm -hmm. It's about 85% women. We've got some fabulous men. Um, So there are a lot of empty nesters and retirees, but they range in age from 21 to 79, Mm -hmm. which is fabulous. We're an AARP plan signer because we do support an older workforce, which is awesome Mm -hmm. um, with the neighbors, but they kind of almost self-select in. We don't post this on job postings because the kind of people that we want probably aren't really looking for a job. Right. So that's tricky. You know, it's a lot of word of mouth. It's almost a movement. Neighbors are so proud to be a neighbor Mm -hmm. that they are recruiting their friends to be neighbors. Mm -hmm. The average neighbor is only working four to six hours a week. So again, this is not a job job. And that's one of the things that when we meet with them, if it's somebody that needs a regular 20, 30 or 40 hours a week, they might be a fabulous neighbor, but we say, Hey, don't quit that other job because with these hour here and there, it would be impossible to stack up, you know, an eight hour day. Right. So they get that. So some of those folks may do this on the evenings and weekends. Mm. Um, but they go through an application process. It starts online and they have to write a paragraph about why they want to be a neighbor. And I tell people all the time, one day I'm going to publish those paragraphs because every single neighbor comes with their own why built in, Mm. you know, either, you know, they did it with their parents. They've seen their parents, their grandparents, they have parents in a different state and realize how important it is. It's all kinds of reasons. And then at that point, if, you know, they kind of pass our checklist, we do an in-person interview. Mm-hmm. make sure they're inspired by joy and make sure that this is the right fit for them. And then at that point, we do a background screen, pull their DMV records and start getting them onboarded. Mm. So what's the, so onboarding, what's the training like? What, what, how do you become an official neighbor? <laughs> um, that's a great question. So a lot of the onboarding is just getting the paperwork in. Again, hiring mature, responsible people to help with everyday tasks. So there's not a lot of training around that. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't really train somebody how to get a fitted sheet on the bed. Somebody could probably train me how to fold a fitted sheet, but you know, we don't do that. So, you know, if we've selected the right neighbors, they've got the judgment, they've got the maturity. Mm -hmm. It's really just helping them understand the lane that we operated in. So for instance, we do lots of little stuff around the house, but we're not a housekeeper. And the clients get that, you know, we'll help you clean out the back bedroom because grandkids are coming to stay. You know, we'll make you a meal. And of course we'll clean up the refrigerator or clean up the kitchen. We'll help you clean out the refrigerator. And we had one adult child daughter just almost furious in a funny way with us. How did you get my mom to clean out the refrigerator? I go over there every Sunday and she refuses to. But you know, they're different when it's not your own family. You don't have that baggage. Um, So we do all those things, but we don't scrub toilets. And what we tell clients, and they get it, it's not that the neighbor's above scrubbing a toilet. We do that in our own home. But the reason neighbors are signing up is they want to do anything they're doing together. They're looking for that connection as well. So that's one end. Uh, We make sure the neighbors understand that. And then the other end of the spectrum is to make sure that neighbors understand we don't do any of these regulated activities, you know, sometimes called activities of daily living. So Mm -hmm. we're not doing personal care, bathing or feeding or toileting, safe transfers we don't do. And the clients understand that as well. And it's, again, not that we couldn't or wouldn't, 
mm-hmm. but we're not trained. And so right. that's a liability for us and for them. You know, we want them to be safe. Exactly. So that's most of the training. Um, I'm afraid I'm the kind of person that might go into someone's house and see a dirty bathroom and I might clean it, but I understand. Um, yeah, that's not part of it. Um, so how, what, tell me about the cost of, um, signing up to, for a neighbor to come to you and how do you pay the neighbors? Sure. So the clients, um, they can sign up two ways. They, we've got a fabulous web portal takes Mm -hmm. three minutes to sign up because since we're not medical care, literally all we need is name, address, and phone number. Mm -hmm. If a family member is signing up for a client in that portal, they can add additional family members that might want to get information about their parent or book visits for their parent. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a, a field for them to write notes about their parent or themselves. And I always give the example, this is my mother, you know, my mother's deaf in her left ear. So you might, Mm. so the neighbor will know, speak Mm. on the right side. And she likes her coffee hot. I cannot tell you how many times I had to microwave that dang coffee for my mother. But you know, the little things, or don't let the cat run out the front door. Some people write a lot of notes. Some people don't write any. Um, They put a credit card on file and they're ready to book neighbors and they can book those online. A few quick clicks, you know, put in a request Mm -hmm. and that's it. Um, Or they can call. And obviously, a fair number of the older adults that are signing themselves up, they call. They might not be comfortable with technology, and that's totally fine. Um, We have a lot of the family members call, too, and I will, Christy will find out in Bethesda, you know, we're almost a psychiatrist for these people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They are looking for validation or a counselor that it's, you know, okay to feel overwhelmed. They're feeling guilty. And why can't I do this all? And I should be able to do with this all. And we always help them over that hump. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Can't pour from an empty cup and your parents got help raising you. You know, you have babysitters and neighbors come over to pick you up for soccer. So they, you know, they get that, but it's very simple. So that's how that works. Um, And once they've booked a visit, uh, once a week, we run charges. So if they used us that prior week, we charge their credit card. There's no cash, no tipping, anything like that. They obviously Mm -hmm. get a receipt in their portal. They can see all their upcoming visits, who the neighbor's going to be. They'll see a picture of the neighbor, past visits. They can leave feedback, all of that. And then the neighbors have an app. So this is the thing is to make it super simple for these neighbors. So they go in their neighbor force app and they say when they're available. Um, and some neighbors might only be available every Wednesday afternoon. Doesn't even matter. Or they, you know, might call and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to Florida for three weeks to take care of my grandkids. And we always say, what do you mean? Sorry. Good for you. Like, (laughs) this is great. Right. So they set up, um, when they're available and we book them. So we've got this algorithm that does all this matching and they really only get booked five days up to two days before a visit. So it's not like you tell me today that I'm available two Fridays from now and I'm going to commit you to something. It's really a three-day window. Mm. So if they'd said they were available today and tomorrow, we wouldn't automatically book them because you know what? This is not a job job. They don't have a visit booked. They may say, you know, last minute visit comes up. They may have already made plans to go out of town for the weekend or something. So we just don't even commit them to those last minute ones. So it works beautifully. Your website is simple to navigate, which is, I love that. But one of the things Trisha and I were talking about earlier and um, is that 
when you have healthcare workers come in, oftentimes it's a different one each time. And that's mm -hmm. a little upsetting too. Oftentimes can be upsetting. And so can you get the same neighbor? That's a great question. The answer is yes and no. So because these neighbors have variable schedules and that's why we get these amazing people. And by the way, we've showed, we've done 13,000 visits and we've never missed one. You, you don't find that in healthcare. Um, I mean, these people show up. It's amazing. Um, so there are a couple things that can happen. You can favorite a neighbor. Um, and if the next time you need a neighbor, that neighbor is available, your favorite automatically gets booked. Mm. Um, now, what happens more often than not is about 75% of our clients, this business, it's like crack. It's so sticky. They use us and they just use us more and more because they realize how beneficial this is. But 75% of them end up signing up for kind of a recurring visit. Could be once a week, three times a week, twice a day. It's, you know, however they do that. But once you do, say you have a Monday afternoon visit, we're going to match you with a neighbor who's said in their app, I'm on a recurring basis available on Monday afternoons. So you do get the same neighbor. Now, again, that neighbor may go on vacation, but guess what? There's always a bench. So it's not like you've got this one person that if they're not there and 90% of our clients have met three or more neighbors and they 100% of them are coming back. So what happens is they might think that Mary is their absolute favorite and they visit Mary, Mary, Mary. And then, you know, Sally comes and they're like, oh, wait, I love <laughs> Sally too, because we had this in common. You know, they find ways to connect and it's yeah. actually good for their social you know, engagement mm -hmm. to have more connections. So um, I guess that's a long way of saying a lot, there is a lot of consistency. It's not as random as Uber by any stretch. Um, yeah, it kind of, kind of, but it's not a one-on-one -on -one commitment. Yeah. And some clients will move their, if their needs are, you know, it's not a doctor's appointment. They just need companionship or help around the home. And Mary says, Hey, next Monday, I've got a doctor's appointment. Would you like me to come on Tuesday? They'll just change it. It works just fine. So we're in a global pandemic. Um, how does a neighbor force navigate um, COVID? Well, um, when the pandemic first hit March 13th, when we pretty much closed down, it was from a financial standpoint, you know, being a startup, that was scary, right? Our revenue just stopped. And from a personal standpoint, that's the same date I would have gotten a huge bonus if I were still in investment banking as always paid that second Friday in, in March. But from a personal standpoint, it was devastating because we knew the time that our clients need us the very most, we can't be there for them. Because as we remember, when it first hit, you know, we thought you might be able to transmit it through a grocery bag. So, you know, we couldn't do anything for a short period of time. We, we did pivot to some no contact errands where we did some grocery shopping for people, but that's not, we don't, we're not trying to be Instacart, but we did those things. Um, but by late May, in our markets, the clients were calling back saying, we need you. People are masking up. They feel comfortable with, you know, the relative risk versus, you know, what happens from loneliness. loneliness. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so it's so interesting because before the pandemic, we knew we were solving loneliness and on both sides, right? Uh, but we never talked about that. We always talk about connection because loneliness sounds negative and we try to frame everything in the positive. But after the pandemic, it has opened up a whole discussion of mental health and loneliness. And so we do talk about it now. And as a result, once we went back 
our growth, so we were growing 18% month over month until the pandemic hit, and then we basically went almost to zero. We've been growing way faster. And it's a combination of even fewer people want to move to senior living communities. They used to say nine out of 10 want to age in their home. I'm sure the new number 0.9 out of 10. And now people really are acknowledging that toll of isolation and what it's doing to people's health. So since then, um, you know, we have really seen a huge uptick in our, our visits. And we were very early to get vaccinated, the neighbors. Um, so that's good. Obviously, there's a little surge now. And I, I think in August, we felt a little bit of softness from that. Um, but, you know, everybody has different views on what the science says there. So some people are concerned about it, even if they're vaccinated and others are not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do you um, see? But in all those visits, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. In all those visits. Oh, no, you go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say in all those visits from, you know, May of 2020 through today, we've never had a transmission of the virus from either direction. So, you know, and, and by the way, so the neighbors, they're doing this because they care about these older adults. And for a while, I called it a whack-a-mole. But, mm-hmm. you know, if a neighbor was exposed or somebody in their family was exposed, they were very quick to call out. See, we're doing it for the money. The last thing that they wanted to do was to, you know, introduce risk to a senior as opposed to maybe trying to sweep it under the rug because they don't want to give up their income. That mm-hmm. didn't happen. Yeah. How does the business model work? How, how does this work? So how, how did you lay this out? Yeah. So we're technically a marketplace. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've got clients on one side and providers on the other, and we take that margin in the in the difference. So it's a little bit, some marketplaces just charge a, they connect people and just charge a fee. We're kind of responsible for the neighbors. So, you know, it's almost in some ways, almost staffing. That's amazing. That's great. So these people are in your minds, a part-time, part-time, not employees, like 1099s. Yeah. They're independent contractors. Independent and, contractors. You know, yeah. If and you there's, you know, it, in the healthcare world, there were some companies that got in big trouble, but they were taking very low wage earners and working them 40 plus hours a week mm-hmm. and denying them employer status, employment status. Right. Our average neighbor's working four to six hours a week. You know, this is not somebody who needs benefits. Right. They're not looking for that. Right. Um, and one of our pieces of secret sauce, which is funny, and this is the reason we had to build the technology is early on when it was just me and we didn't have the tech, I would have neighbors say, oh, Paige, I'm available every day. I'm retired. What else do I have to do? But I really only want to do this three times a week. Right. So now on their app, they can put their calendar wide open and say max visits of three a week. And once we fill their bucket, they don't get hit again. They don't have to run in, change their calendar, you know, worried that they're going to get overbooked. Right. Perfect. So perfect. And, and you said you haven't missed an appointment which is huge, yeah. like just it's huge. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that is so incredible. What excites you most about what you're doing right now? Gosh, you know, I tell people all the time, like I, I'm sure there are other businesses, but every single person associated na- with neighbor force has that why built in. I mean, every single person. And just, we have a few employees and a lot of neighbors. So it's everybody. Um, but if you talk to the Richmond Neighborhood League, you know, because I'm here and I hear all day long. It's phone calls, texts, 
emails from the clients, the families, the neighbors, just, just raving about what this is doing for them. And, you know, from the seniors saying, this is my security blanket, you know, it's giving, making them feel independent. They don't feel like a burden on their families to the families who will say, you know, you saved my life. They, they cry some, you know, yeah, um, right. or sometimes it's a spouse who says, I love my husband. Yeah. unconditionally, but I've spent 16 months in the same four rooms with him. He's maybe got mild dementia and I need a life, you know, and we can go and give her some respite, but it's the neighbors, which is the interesting part. It's so needed for the families. I were convinced that the neighbors of all the constituencies get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. It's so fulfilling to them. And it is like volunteering and they make a little money but it's better than volunteering money aside because they know in that hour or two they spend with a client, they see the difference they're making in their life as opposed to, you know, stuffing envelopes or making development calls, which is all important, but this is so viscerally satisfying, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think that you said, I loved at the beginning when you said it's just, you know, helping people find joy again and tapping yeah. into that and actually being part of that just must feel so good. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, who knew, right? I mean, it seems so simple. How did somebody, not, you know, figure this out before? But I was an econ major, so I'm always about. So you're like, yeah. man, you know, like equal. Um, um, and it, it's just, it's, it's the right solution. It really, really it is. is. It really is. How God, can, Paige, amazing. How can people find you? You know, if they want to sign up to be a neighbor or another part of the country. Sure. Um, so our website is neighborforce.com and it's spelled like labor force, or as some of the older folks say, you mean like gym neighbors? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, if that's, if that works for them, but it's kind of like, you know, our neighbor force, our force of neighbors is a labor force. We're, we actually are creating a new workforce. So yeah. of caregivers, you know, there's already a caregiver shortfall, families and professional. And so our neighbors, they don't want to go work 20 or 40 hours a day for a home care agency on a regular schedule. And they may not want to do some of those activities, but they're perfect to step in, you know, for a few hours here and there to be, I always call it that other me. Like I just needed another me and that's who these people are. Right. Right. Um, So yeah, they can go on the website and it's all pretty straightforward and simple there. There's a a tab for becoming a neighbor tells all about it, but we, you know, always welcome phone calls and we've got numbers in our local markets, but if somebody's anywhere, they can call our 844, our toll-free number, which is 844-MY-NEIGHBOR, N-A-B-O-R, my neighbor. Great. So I don't know. We, just congratulations on company that is inspired by joy. Yeah. I mean, w- we talk about it all the time. And if I can give you one example, I don't know if we have time, but so a lot of times people keep saying, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Well, it's all kinds of things. About 75% are things around the home, lots of making meals. And these are mm-hmm. not gourmet chefs, you know, we're warming dinner or making scrambled eggs or, you know, we have some clients that are pretty particular, so it's good. It, you know, little things around the house, but every day, every week, we've got examples of things that you can't script or you can't train for. And one mm-hmm. of my favorite examples was one of our very earliest neighbors signed up. Her husband's a lawyer. They are new in town. And she said, I love this. I don't need more connections in my life. You know, I love the idea of just popping in an hour or two here and helping a client. Um, And so she got connected with a client where she would go every Tuesday for two hours. He lived, this man lived with his son. The son traveled a lot and he just didn't want his dad home alone. 
you know, he was fine. He was independent enough, but she would go and make dinner and, and try to engage him in conversation, but he was a bit of a curmudgeon. And so about the third week they were sitting there and she looked out the front window and she said, oh my gosh, tell me about the birdhouse. So there's this big birdhouse out front and he lit up and he said, you know, my wife and I used to love seeing the baby birds in spring. Uh, but the snakes or squirrels or somebody are getting in there. So she took out her phone and they Googled, how do you fix it? So when she came back the next week, something about steel wool, but the two of them went outside and, and did this to the birdhouse. And we had pictures on social media. About a month later, there was a bird's nest with five little bluebird eggs. And then three weeks later, a picture of these five little birds, you know, looking up, like, how, how do you script that? You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, she made the dinner and she scooped the cat litter box, but it's every day, these kind of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Paige, thank you so much for joining yes. us on Health Gig. It's just been a joy to hear about what you're doing. Well, thank you. Love, obviously, we love talking about it. <laughs> thank you so very much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>